Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we're bringing you two awesome indie games news stories, and I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but trust me, we still have a whole buttload to talk about. All right, it's like a, it's a, I, I don't want to say it's excessive, but there's a lot. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a good there's a good buttful in there. That's yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for saying that. I'm glad you. Just like you were on my side with that. You're like, there's a lot here. Definitely yeah. a buttload. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, I hate that I just said but. Uh, before we get into that, <laughs> I would like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, uh, Josh Boys. How you doing today, big Josh Boy? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, nothing's really changing. Florida is still a terrible place to be, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, you haven't been eaten by an alligator yet? Anything like that? Not been eaten by an alligator. I've lived my entire life, and that's never been a worry of mine. Like I said, uh, Josh tweeted this. Josh Nichols tweeted about uh, being afraid of them, and I am definitely more afraid of the people in Florida right now, more than I would ever be of any alligators, crocodiles, or any creatures. It's the humans that are the problem right now. Why is that? Is it because of the whole like Florida man thing? Like it seems like there's just unique versions of psychopaths in Florida. Or <laughs> no, I'm just saying the coronavirus thing. Like it's ah. it's fucking crazy out there. Just everyone has it. I honestly I hadn't like no idea that the numbers were so high in Florida until like oh Josh sent us that thing. It was like hope you guys are safe because it was like Idaho super high and yours was super high. But I also loved that it was like number of cases is like 114 percent up in Idaho and it's like 91 percent up in in Florida. And I loved seeing how many people had it in Florida. It was like a couple hundred and Idaho is 14. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, well then, yeah, dude, we're breaking records every day. Like the, just the other day, it was like fifteen hundred people. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, dude, they gotta go to the beach. I'm sorry. Like, <sighs> it's necessary. They gotta get that good vitamin D and then leave mm-hmm. all their trash mm-hmm. on the beach. I guess that's true. I yeah, I should have thought about that. I know you just you freaking you're just being selfish, Josh. You're being I know. selfish. You, I really you want everyone I'm... to be safe and not deathly afraid of a virus. No, dude. Come on, bro. I'm a terrible person. What can I say? People need to swim, okay? People, People need, to, need to swim. To Dude, and not even the that. Sunshine. There's also, in a certain part of Florida, like close to Tampa, we found like these brain-eating amoebas that are oh, like Oh, you can fuck there. right off, dude. Florida's hell on earth. I'm done. <laughs> you need to move to Idaho, okay? Like, it might suck here, but you got brain-eating shit there. You could just fuck right off. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, dude. I don't know how anyone feels safe down here right now. I don't know how you felt safe there up until now. I don't understand (laughs) it. Like, if there's one place, like, ugh, I truly don't understand why, like, old people want to, like, basically go to Florida to die, where they're like, Mm. oh, yeah, I would like to go retire to Florida, kind of spend my days there. And I'm like, you're going to spend, like, one day there and then get eaten by some random creature. Like, I don't even know. A freaking, like, gigantic prehistoric bird is going to pick you up and drop you into the ocean. They just Shit's don't want to deal with the cold, man. Just uh, come yeah. here where it's always, you know, really hot outside. <laughs> where it's always like the, you could crack an egg and make it on the sidewalk kind of heat. Uh, some days, yeah, for sure. There are days where you could do that. I would not be surprised. I don't think I could live. I, I literally, like, it's not that I don't think 
based on preferences, I could live in Florida. I think I literally, as a ginger, like a fair-skinned boy, I don't think I could actually live in Florida. A buddy of mine is a... uh... He's a ginger as well. And we went to the Rapids one time, which is basically a water park in Florida. And so it was kind of a shitty story. Like his brother <laughs> brought uh, sunblock and we used it. And we were we were young at the time. So we were like really dumb. And we didn't want to walk back to the locker. And we had the thing and we were like, whatever. And just kind of like threw it out. Like I, I to this day, I still looking back on it, don't know why we did that. But like none of us wanted to walk back to the locker. We threw it out and his brother got there later because he was in a different car. And he's like, where's the sunblock? And we were like, oh, we don't have it. And he was like, what? And so <laughs> he went the entire day without it. Dude got skin cancer. Oh, my gosh. He I dude, didn't he, think that that story would end so terribly. Oh, yeah, it really did. Dude got skin cancer. He got burnt so bad that he literally could not sleep. Like, And this isn't one of those where you use the word literally and it just kind of seems to Yeah, to you're make, not being hyperbolic. Yeah, it's not making it dramatic. He literally could not sleep on his back for like a month. He had to sleep upright in a chair because if he did, he would just be in so much pain. Yeah, I've had that happen before. Same thing, actually, at a water park. But in Salt Lake, when I was a kid, I like thought I had put on sunscreen, but apparently not enough because you're supposed to reapply like every couple hours. Yeah, especially yeah. when your like skin is basically fucking translucent, like mine. Mm-hmm. And I <laughs> burned the fuck out of my back to the point where, like, you know, have you ever had a sunburn that's so bad you get blisters? We're just gonna walk over that uh, that terrible uh pronunciation but yes that's what happened to him as well he had these giant fucking like bubbles on his back they were super gross yep same thing same thing happened to me i couldn't sleep on my back i had to sleep on my front luckily i had my game boy so it's like i don't even need my back i just sleep on the front just play my game boy but yeah that shit's fucking terrible that's like yeah everyone's like oh why don't you go outside and i'm like one because fuck it i'll sit on my computer whatever i don't care about going outside but also the sun is out there and it'll kill me okay yeah. it's scary out there so is it needless to say that you causing this guy to get his get skin cancer makes him not your friend anymore no i'm still really good friends with the dude i mean it wasn't my fault it was his brother his brother <laughs> threw out the, the freaking sunscreen i don't know why he did it I'm pretty sure if the purge, like, was actually a thing in the United States, you'd be hunted down for sure by this kid. Nah, like he, nah. he would definitely be knocking on your door the day that it began. <laughs> nah, man, he loves me. It's all good. Also, if the purge was to come to anywhere in the United States, Florida would Florida, definitely be the for beginning. Sure. <laughs> for sure, Florida. Yeah, we're the ones who would, who would start it up. And be like, we got this great idea, guys. We just watched a movie, and... Uh, uh, you know, it's it's time to just bring this this on. You know, we've got too many people. I mean, this is ba- that's basically what the corona is, is like the purge, like in just a weird way. But it's just pe- mother nature purging everyone. Pretty much. I mean, it fucking sucks, but like, yeah, that's the thing. I I don't know. Well, let's move on. We're a video game <laughs> podcast. We should talk about video games. Yeah, we don't need to talk about how humanity is a blight on this earth, so let's talk about some indie games. Josh, you are playing a game called Primal Light by Vivo Games. What do you think? Okay, so first of all, uh, both of the games that I'm going to talk about today, we did get copies from the developers and or publishers, so shout out to them, and also take that with a grain of salt with my review. Secondly, Primal Light is super, super cool. So 
if you are an individual who likes old school, uh, very challenging kind of um, similar to kind of Castlevania, but not with the the whole backtracking aspect of it, but older like platformer battle games, um, kind of similar to like a Battletoads, um, you'll, you're going to like this game. Uh, it is meant to be an old school arcade type game. And so you have a couple of different difficulties. You get to select them. You have a couple of different lives, or not a couple, but you have a certain amount of lives and you can gain lives throughout the game by collecting more or buying them from a shopkeep. But the whole game, the whole premise is like one of those old run from one side of the screen to the next, uh, do slight puzzles as you go throughout the game. You're going to get more abilities like a dash or different... um, different ways to to go about you know upgrading your health or your uh charges for additional health because you can heal yourself during the game but it's it's super challenging um the only thing i don't like that they brought back is like in some art arcade games they have this thing where when enemies hit you you bounce back which i've always hated um but that's fine the reason why that sucks is because also in or old school arcade games they have the like area of either lava or acid and they're like you touch that you die instantly no matter how much health you have and i'm like fuck i don't need this anymore like we've evolved from video games where we need this just death pit on these challenging games where you bump into an enemy and it just throws you into a death pit um but other than that the game is actually very fun because it it does have this challenging aspect to it but it's in a way it's it's fair um it has really cool boss fights. It's 10 stages overall, I believe. I'm, I'm about halfway through. I'm on stage uh, five or six. And um, I've really liked the way that it works because if you, one of the things I was the most worried about on normal difficulty, which is what I'm playing on, I had this fear that if I died, like lost all my lives, I'd have to start all of it over again. But the way they do it is once you lose all your lives, you just start back at that same stage that you were at with like, three lives and you're able to replay the stage out it just sucks because you have to get your way all the way to the boss but it is a lot of fun i I really like the mechanic of it of just um it's very basic very classic style game of a challenging you know run jump dash attack um but it's it's just fun it's it's good um i think let me see for yes for 14.99 i think it is worth it because it's a good amount um i think it really depends, though, if you're more into this style of game, I say it's worth it. If you're someone who either doesn't really like challenging games or someone who isn't as crazy about this style, this kind of arcade uh, platformer genre, it might not be for you because it's not like this game does anything that's uh, you know exceptionally different. Uh, it just replays into the roots of nostalgia and does it in a way that, that feels very well. Um, so you know, depending on how into this style it might be for you, it might not be, if that makes sense. Yeah, I gotcha. Honestly, the the biggest draw for this game, one, I did need to to correct us. Uh, this is by Fat Gem, not by Vivo Games. The Vivo Games is the the neon abyss that you. Are oh, playing. I have these. I have these mixed um, up. My apologies. <laughs> but uh, the 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 biggest draw for this game is, and if I wasn't playing something else for something we're doing, I would all definitely played it i but, think you'd like um, it 
I oh, the the art just looks so good. It reminds me a lot of like the the real polish you see in Blasphemous, but it's mm-hmm. not as like weird, grotesque, and like intentionally gory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it it does have that same appeal to it, and I I really do like it because it it plays into that. Although I think Blasphemous is more of you know that Metroidvania style. This yeah. is more out in stages where you're literally playing that level, and once you're done with the level, you'll never go back to it. Um, that is kind of cool, though. I I do have to say I'm kind of into that. Like not having I I guess like not committing to this larger world. Instead, you're just going into these like kind of smaller uh, sandboxes. I I yeah. do think that's pretty cool. And that's yeah. So that's kind of why I enjoyed this game was because it was easy to pick up and to put down at the same time and just go back to it because the mechanics to it aren't they're they're not anything that's going to take a long time to get used to the main thing that you're learning is the patterns of the enemies and the patterns of the bosses but like each pattern for a boss is going to be uh very different and so when you're playing this you can put the game down and just walk away from it and you won't have to come back and be like oh i don't remember this area or oh i don't remember you know how this boss pattern was because it's everything is new each time and you're going to a different level the only drawback to that is there are little hidden secrets in levels so if you didn't get that or you didn't collect certain like power-ups you're just not going to get them for the run so um you you said there were like kind of like different power-ups and stuff did you say that those were specific to the levels or those something that you carry over no it's something you carry over so i throughout the stages that i've been to there hasn't been anything like crazy uh the main one that i've gotten was a dash so that you can dash under objects um and a dash so that you can dash in the air when you jump um so it's like these these little things that are more for uh traversal in the game i haven't gotten anything that's changed really your main attack which is just kind of like a basic slash attack and then the other upgrades have been more around you have charges for health and just general health increases um, but then again, there might be something later into the stages. Cause once again, I'm only like halfway through, but so far that's what I've picked up. Is it, uh, does this have like a really comprehensive storyline or is it something that just kind of like, it's more about gameplay? Not, not really. So they have a basic intro where they, they say like, Oh, you're the last, like not the last of your kind, but there's these evil Lords who you have to slay to, uh, save your race of people. Um, but other than that main introduction, then it's just like, here's a level, here's a level, here's a level. So I don't know if something changes at the end and you get some kind of like backdrop of story of like you save the day and this is everything that you wanted to know. But as far as what I've played so far, there wasn't really much other than that initial like, here's the, the setup for the game. Okay. With how much you've played, it says that there are 10 levels. Um, yeah. I, how many hours are you in? How many levels are you in? Like how, how long have you played, I guess? Yeah, so I've probably played about three to four hours, and I've gotten through the first five stages. Oh, okay. So by that math, it's not like that long of a game. You can beat it probably 10 hours or less. Yeah, yeah. Depending I, on your ability. Yeah, and it depends because there were like there was one stage and boss that gave me a lot of trouble. Others I was able to defeat easier and get through quicker. Like It just depends on how well you actually play the game and how you pick up on it um and there are levels of difficulty so if you know you want to not knock it down or knock it up like it depends on how much of a challenge you're looking for 
Oh, that's really nice, especially for someone like me who's just dick at video games. <laughs> so I think that's awesome because this game does look really, really cool, but it also looks like it could be really hard. So I'm yeah. I'm probably going to try it at least on normal for a while just to get the feel for what like what developers say is the difficulty to play it on. Like typically normal is that. Right. Yeah. And then more than likely like ratchet it down because I'm not going to be able to play the game. So yeah, and I'm, I'm not I'm not 100% sure what the difference is between easy, normal, and hard, um, but I've just been sticking with normal because I generally like to just go with whatever the developers say is like the normal mode, um, at least for the first run through, uh, but you know, maybe if I get through this and then decide, oh, I want more of a challenge, I'll go the hard route, but uh, it depends. Okay, uh, and the other game you're playing is called Neon Abyss. This one actually by Vivo Games. What do you think about it? So this one is definitely more my style. It is a roguelite that I was thinking about it last night. It feels very similar to a, uh, what you would get if you mashed both the uh, kind of the the atmosphere and the abilities, like the mechanics of jumping around and going through a dungeon, similar to a rogue legacy. You take that and you mash that with enter the gungeons gun uh, mechanic, as far as getting a bunch of different guns, how you're actually shooting uh, with a twin, twin stick shooter style, and then took the basic mechanic that roguelites have in consideration to Binding of Isaac, like the gameplay loop that it has as far as the dungeon structure and mashed that all together. And then this is what you would get is Neon Abyss. So it is a roguelite where you are jumping into this, this kind of dungeon. It's called the Neon Abyss. The story is very vague, just kind of like Primal Light, where it basically you start off in this almost matrix type scenario where someone tells you like if you want to know reality like drink this and you go down into this bar and then you're you're going deeper into the abyss and fighting these enemies these like evil gods that are based off of technology like a lot of them are this is the god of uh mobile devices or this is the god of like really weird things like the the actual items and the enemies in this game are very strange and kind of like meme in a way like there's one boss where they're literally the gods of i think it was fast food and it's like the <laughs> wendy's head the mcdonald's head and uh i think it looked like the burger king head but just kind of like deformed and like in weird ways and so you're basically fighting the mascots for fast food um but that being said, the game is actually a lot of fun. I really like the way it plays out. The control scheme is a little bit wonky at first, but it has to be because you're using a twin stick shooter and you can't like the thing. The biggest thing that pissed me off at first was, you know, in every game, for the most part, your jump button is going to be like the A button or the X button, like the one on yeah, the lower right hand side. Pretty typical, right? So you can't do that in this game. Instead, it's like the com the confirm button for making choices. And I was like, what the fuck? Why would I do that? And I changed the, the mapping to it. And then I was like, oh, it's a twin stick shooter. Like you use the left stick to walk around. You use the right stick to shoot your gun. So I couldn't actually jump with that. So I had to train myself to be like, okay left trigger is actually jump which took a while and it just feels like very awkward to get used to but once you once you get that that down and it doesn't take very long but once you get it down it feels a lot smoother and better um i really like the different things in this game because as you're playing it's very roguelite where you each boss you kill you get this like gold diamond 
And so you can use that to buy new upgrades. And what that means is you'll buy new items that start sh appearing in the levels. You buy different rooms. You buy new characters that you can play as. The one thing I'll say about it is I've been playing for about four to five hours now. And honestly, I feel like progression is very slow in the game, especially when even at the like the first stages of the game, it still feels like it's pretty slow. And then I can see that all the costs for like the new things that are coming just keeps getting higher and higher. So I'm like, this might take a while. Like you might have to invest a lot of time to really get into this and get the, you know, all the items, all the characters, all the different rooms. But I do enjoy that it, it gives you a reason to keep playing because the more you play, the more you unlock, the different the, the runs get. Um, as far as the guns and the abilities go, it's it's really good the way they've done this. There's a lot of different abilities. There's a lot of different guns. Um, each one has their own unique, like, strange thing. And some of them are, are those normal ones where it's like, congratulations, you got an extra heart, and now you can get hit more often. Or congratulations, your gun is stronger. But some will be, like, weird ones where your bullets just explode into a million, like, other bullets. Some will be, like... Oh, if you kill an enemy in the room, like you kill one enemy, your attack speed will get faster and it'll increase with each person you kill, which is insane in boss rooms since a lot of the times they have little uh, like ads that they end up spawning and you're like, I'm just going to kill you right away because I'm so strong now with my attack speed. But like there's a lot that's to it. And then they've just, they've nailed down the, uh, and this is why I, I kind of, veer back to Binding of Isaac is just because they've really nailed down a formula that is very similar to it of having your shop, your secret rooms, your uh, almost very similar to devil deals and angel deals in the game by having like this these crystals that you use to unlock everything. And if you unlock things, it's called wisdom. If you unlock things with that wisdom, it'll slowly raise this little bar on the right-hand side, and then you'll get a free item if you get it all the way to the end. However, if you attack those crystal things, they'll turn red, and you'll walk into them, and you'll do damage to yourself. And that's called, um, what is it called? I think it's, it doesn't matter, but it's basically like, the 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 good versus evil kind of a thing so that's like going an evil route and what it means is when you get that bar fully instead of getting a free item you get an item but you have to sacrifice one of your heart containers so you have less hp basically but you get a free item um so i, I really like the way they they've done that because there's so many variations so many chances to get different abilities i will say that the game one of its biggest flaws right now is that it feels like a lot of the actual enemies there's not much variation i'm you know i've been playing this for like five hours and i'm seeing a lot of the same enemies over and over again and that's fine for now but like 10 20 hours in is that going to be fine then i don't really know um the solace to that is that there is so much customization in other areas and so many different, you know, abilities and things that you find that make the run unique that it kind of makes up for that. But I'd love to see in, you know, later patches to the game, more different uh, unique enemies that come by as opposed to the same enemy with a variation of their color and like one tweak to the different type of attack they have. 
Uh, so one thing I want to say before, like, uh, anyone decides whether or not they like or dislike this game is that there is currently a demo over on Steam. So head over there if you think Neon Abyss sounds cool. Check out this demo uh, and see what's up. But I also did yeah. want to ask you, like, you said that there are different characters. Is this like a, yes. uh, like, Enter the Gungeon, Colt Canyon-esque scenario where each character has their own abilities yes. and, like, different weapons? Okay. Yeah, so so the two basic characters you get right now don't have as much of a variation. Like the only difference is one has an extra heart container and the other one instead of the extra heart container has a starting grenade with them. But uh, the other characters later down the line will have different uh, loadouts that they go with. Like I know there is a melee attack in this game, although it's not heavily used with these two characters. I think there is one character who like is more focused on doing melee attack damage. Um, I haven't also had a chance to experience all of them yet, but that is the, like, and it's to the same nature. I would not be surprised since there's so many roots from Binding of Isaac that they would do something very similar where a lot of the characters kind of feel the same. It's just more of, like, a variation in what you start with as far as, like, you might have... uh, only shields instead of hearts, which means you're at risk because you can't just pick up hearts you have to look specifically for shields instead or you know you might have less hearts but do more damage you might have a better starting gun so i'll have to see and play more into that to know um but on that same note that you mentioned about check it out if uh if you want because there is a demo available it's also uh available on xbox game pass so yeah so if you have xbox game pass i would recommend checking this game out uh i think even even for the 20 dollars, it is maybe a little um a little higher depending on how much you really like roguelites but if you're someone like me who is a big fan of roguelites i still think it's worth it because i have had uh, a very fun time with it and there is a good amount of replayability in the fact that there's so many different guns there's so many different abilities so We'll have to see. I'll keep playing it because it seems like a game that's really like my style. How does progression work in the game? Is it like you can get abilities, but they're constantly lost between like each playthrough or yep, exactly. is there like, okay. okay. Yeah. So, so it's like a typical roguelike. Yeah. So it's, it's very, you start off the run, you're going to have whatever basic uh, perks or characteristics your class has and then as you go through you'll have each level to pick up new power-ups different guns and then whenever you die that's it you have to start over again Um, the one interesting thing is as you're unlocking things in the game so the way progression works like i was saying that you can buy new things that will appear in the store like in the the later runs that you play i do like that they did this in a way where when you buy something they'll give you that item for free on your next run so like oh that's dope yeah so like you buy this item that like one of the first ones is this one where it's called popcorn and so your bullets will explode the same as if you had a grenade and so when you buy that you get that and that's your starting item just as you know an extra perk for the next run so sometimes you'll have a good run just because you get to start with one of those items keep in mind you can only do that that one time when you buy it but it still adds a little bit more for accessibility for those who might be having trouble with you know getting through a dungeon how do these pets work they remind me a lot of like this old cartoon network game called fusion fall how you'd get like pets of that are like little mini versions of cartoon network characters i've seen like a bunch of them just like floating around i can't believe i didn't explain this part because it is a it is a funny like uh 
extra to this game that isn't as necessary, but like it, it does add a lot to it. That makes another variation of just, this is a going to be a unique run based on what you get. So essentially you're running through and you're finding all these eggs. Uh, and every time you finish a room, so, you know, monsters will show up, you kill them, you get to go to the next room. Uh, you have the chance to hatch one of those eggs and sometimes nothing hatches and it just, you lose an egg (laughs) and it, it just says hatch, hatch failed, but other times little babies come out. And so you'll get something like a cactus baby or a, uh, snowman baby or a panda baby. And they each have their own little abilities. Like they might shoot out ice blasts at people. They might protect you from other bullets that are coming your way. Um, Some of them, like there's one that will grab hearts away from you, but he'll sometimes create shields. So it's kind of like a a balance of, well, he's taking away the hearts that I could be collecting, but he's giving me something else. There's one that's literally a Trump baby. And he, (laughs) he, flies around and steals money from you that drops so that you can't collect it. But uh, the good thing about these babies, and sometimes bad because you obviously want the good ones, is that as you're fighting things, bullets that are spawning at you, they can soak that damage for you. So if a bullet is about to hit you, but a baby walks into it, it'll hit them instead and they'll lose HP. So they can die. So like Trump baby steals a bunch of money from you, but when he dies, he drops a whole bunch as well. So it's almost like a, a kind of like, like a, bank a bank system. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, it's a really cool way. I can't believe I didn't even talk about it because it is something that is very interesting to the series. Um, and there's a lot of little things like sometimes you'll get perks that are like, if you have a ton of babies, you'll do more attack damage or things like that. So they're, they play into it as well. It's not like they're just there and it's like, why is this a part of it? Um, as far as why is it a part of it? I don't know why there's just these random eggs and babies, like as far as the story goes, but it's a cool little mechanic. Yeah, it seems really cool, especially because they don't just help you, but they also hinder you. That's, like, really, really interesting. It reminds me of the feature in um, The Outer Worlds, where I forget what it was. It was, like, uh, traits or defects, something like that, where, let's say you went through the game and you broke your legs a bunch of times. Um, It would, like, offer you this kind of, like, defect. I forget what they're called. But it's like, okay, cool, you can sprint faster but there's also this like negative effect for it since you broke your legs all this time uh i i always found that cool how it like both helped and hindered you and i think it's Mm -hmm. awesome that these little babies do the exact same thing in neon abyss yeah it i mean the game plays into very normal roguelite tropes that you have a a very high chance to get something that is a good thing or a bad thing in the game. And this game, like Binding of Isaac, does not show you what those abilities or pickups do. So a lot of the game at the first part is overwhelming because you're just trying to learn what all these items do. And sometimes you'll screw up a run because you pick up something that is just not good for you. And you're like, oh, well, crap, I, I don't want this at all. And you're just stuck with it because that's how it works for that run. Yeah, that is something that I say uh, that I I would say that I find so interesting about roguelikes is that like it's all about your knowledge of the game yes. and that's why like kind of dying often is also something that helps you like it might be annoying but it helps you because you have to learn how the game works. It's not mm-hmm. just going to tell you. So I I think that's really really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts about roguelites is like a lot of it is in many cases, a mechanics thing. Like you have to be for the most part, 
well off mechanically for a lot of these type of games just because they they play into that but there's a second half of just knowledge and it's just knowing what everything does because that is kind of like what is it is it gi joe that's half the battle knowing is half the battle is that what it said i don't know I have no idea. I guess I brought up Fusion Falls, so I can't make fun of you for bringing up G.I. Joe, but I have no idea. <laughs> I know it's it's some I think it's something like that. But anyway, uh good game, I recommend. Okay. Uh speaking of knowing things, instead of talking about Baby Dino's adventure, I, I'm gonna talk about Mortal Shell. Uh so Morgan Shaver was on last week. Make sure you listen to it, make sure you reach out, give her some love. She's awesome, uh, does great work with Indie Obscura. But she was talking about Mortal Shell. So I was like, you know what? I gotta get in on this beta while the getting's good. I believe <laughs> it ended on uh July thirteenth, so I made sure I hopped in. Uh being a fan of like Souls Likes, not that I'm good at them, but just I'm a fan of them. I decided I wanted to hop in and do this and the beta was like a relatively small like commitment when it comes to like hard drive space because it was free on the Epic Game Store. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hop on there, I download it and I thought the game was very, very cool and it's it's really interesting. So in typical like Souls-like fashion, it has like the, the stamina bar, your health bar. It's all about like avoiding, parrying this kind of like difficult combat system. But instead, what's so interesting about Mortal Shell is it also instead of giving you this ability that would allow you to like like a shield that would make it to where you could deflect blows or you could like uh keep yourself kind of like safe from them mm-hmm. with like a small penalty to your health it has a hardening mechanic which is really cool so you uh you have this like kind of it's like a little meter that allows you to harden um and it's something that your seemingly your species can do in the story and when enemies would go to attack you you can click and hold it and you harden like a stone and you take no damage from when they hit you and then you can break out of it and hit them but also this hardening mechanic works into when you're trying to attack people as well so later on when you get more used to it you'll start an attack animation hit someone and then go into hardening and you'll actually do a little bit more damage and when you release it you can either do more damage or wait for them to attack you and it causes them to be stunned and at times you'd actually heal which was very very cool Hmm. um the reason i brought up the whole like speaking of knowing thing is that mortal shell has something very cool in it just like the like hardening mechanic uh that seems to be i don't want to say unique because there's probably a lot of games that have something like this but it requires you to learn about items it requires you to use them over Mm -hmm. and over again so like uh i initially you you walk down and there's like a couple enemies you kill them and they drop a loot and it's like okay a loot's just standard like it's a guitar basically but a seemingly different guitar i don't know it makes a loot a loot i'm (laughs) i have no idea But um, uh, you have to use the loot 10 times to find out what it actually does uh, and for your item description to pop up and to kind of get more lore about it. So what was lucky about the loot was it was a usable item that seemingly I could just use over and over again to see what happened. Mm -hmm. So as you go through and use these items, it gives you like small amounts of detail as to what they do, but it still doesn't tell you the full story. So Mm -hmm. like something might 
technically heal you but it also kind of poisons you at the same time but the first time you eat it you only find out that it poisons you but then you have to eat it again and again and again and again and again to find out that it actually has another effect as well so oh that's interesting yeah i find it really interesting i also have to say that it can be kind of annoying um just because like having to kind of go back to these like certain areas where certain things spawn because there are like um like mushrooms and stuff that just naturally grow in these areas that mm-hmm. you could recollect after a certain amount of time um and you just have to eat it to kind of get more detail and stuff so like the loot for instance uh after i used it 10 times i found out that its actual real gameplay effect was that it lures enemies toward you so it's mm-hmm. like from a distance you can lure all the enemies towards you and it kind of just like pulls their aggro which was really really cool and there were other things that's like okay uh it kind of like incentivized me to use items instead of just collecting them which in like dark souls i typically would just collect a shitload of items and almost never use them versus Mm -hmm. mortal shell I have to use them to find out what they did. Sometimes that would really suck, especially when something just poisoned me, but it was also kind of an interesting little thing to do. Um, My biggest critique with Mortal Shell when it comes to, like, it being in this, like, kind of, like, lineage of Souls-like games is that it feels so slow. Um, I, I... don't like how kind of cumbersome the uh, combat feels because in dark souls it's very kind of like quick as long as you know what you're doing as long as you keep like monitoring your stamina Mm -hmm. where you can hop in you do a couple attacks you hop out you still have some stamina you're fine versus mortal shell i would go in and do a couple light attacks and then try to dodge backwards but when i would click to dodge backwards it would have this kind of delay or it wouldn't do it at all because seemingly like it was still in an animation so i was like what the fuck i keep getting hit i'm expecting it to be much more like i i guess much more sensitive similar to a souls like games but it, it wasn't um that also might be due to the fact that it has this shell system which is really cool is as well whereas like in other souls like games which i'm sorry that i keep comparing it to them but it's just the easiest way to do so i understand that it's annoying um (laughs) it's hard sometimes when it's so easily accessible to be like you know that one thing like that a lot of people know it's like that (laughs) yeah it just makes sense like i might really hate it when people say it but to say the far cry is like skyrim with guns it generally get the point gets the point across to people who don't know so even though it's super annoying and i hate it i know i mean i do Um, the same with binding of isaac all the time so yeah exactly uh but so it has a shell system where instead of donning and doffing armor and new weapons and stuff like that instead you come across these like basically these uh, they are kind of like dead warriors um and you kind of you take their appearance and you take their abilities and their kind of like life in a sense mm-hmm. um and you morph into them which is kind of like you're playing a new character but you're you're not but you are um and there's this really interesting and like unique aspect of it where like the you have to kind of like instead of leveling up you first have to learn about your shell because it's initially unknown so you spend a little bit of what i believe is called like tar which is kind of like souls um 
learning. It's kind of like got two currencies. It's like tar and something else. I forget what the other one's called though. Um, mm-hmm. But it like you use those and you learn about this shell that you're wearing and mm-hmm. who exactly they were before. So the first one you get was like this seemingly like knight, but you don't know much about him other than that. He was this kind of like very capable knight. You don't know how he died. You don't know anything about him or what he was doing, but through leveling up, you actually get to learn more and more about him, which I think is very, very cool. And then you do that same exact thing with other shells that you pick up that then play entirely different from this knight. So like the first shell I got was the knight. He had like, he was typically like kind of just, this straight road kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a decent amount of health, a decent amount of stamina. He wasn't exceptionally fast or slow. He was just kind of like that middle ground. And then I got a second shell, which was a more of a roguish type shell, which was had less health, but a much higher stamina bar. And it had a dodge that was very different. So instead of doing a roll, it was kind of like this ghostly dodge mm-hmm. where you phase mm-hmm. through things. It was very, very cool. And it had entirely different combos, kind of like this different play style it was much faster. So I thought that was really, really cool. Um, that's what I meant by like, some of this kind of like delay and these issues that I might have with gameplay might be solved with these shells. So I wouldn't, I would take that with a grain of salt because I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the larger game. This is just a beta, but overall I thought the game was really, really cool. Um, I will say like something that annoyed me was that it has just like reoccurring animations over and over again. Like when you'd go to play the loot, it's just like a guy strumming the loot. It's not him actually playing the loot. Um, But you do get the music from the loot, which is cool. But Hmm. uh, I, I overall thought the game was really, really cool. Uh, I'm interested to see how it all unfolds when it comes out. I would like to learn more about these shells. I think it's very, very cool. But other than that, it's very like, dark souls where you go through like areas to fight a boss you go through another area to fight a boss so it's not too complicated but it does also have this like lore aspect where if you want to know more about the world you do have to read into like item descriptions but you also have to use the items to then learn what they do to get more lore so it's very very cool I thought the game was, from what I played of it, uh, the combat was somewhat irritating, but also something that I was like looking forward to finding new shells to see if they changed. So uh, however irritating it was, it kind of made me want to play the game more because I was like, what if I find a shell that's like my perfect play style? So I thought that was <laughs> awesome. Um, one last thing that was like somewhat annoying is the parry system in it. Uh, in Dark Souls, you can parry like as much as you want. It's just kind of like a gameplay mechanic. You, mm-hmm. It just entirely depends on your timing and your stamina versus uh, in Mortal Shell. It is not based on stamina. It's actually based on an additional bar called Resolve, which is for like kind of like reserved explicitly for ultimate attacks and parries as far mm-hmm. as I got into the beta. Um, so that kind of sucks because I would like to learn how to parry more and I would like to learn how to master that but since it has this very specific like uh pool that it comes from and you have to like fight enemies to to regain this pool or like use certain items to regain it it didn't allow me to kind of learn how to perfectly time these attacks because i couldn't just do it over and over again i had to just wait and fight some enemies in a different way to then gain resolve and then try again which i'd then be out of resolve and i'd have to do it all over again Hmm. Yeah, this does not sound like something for me. 
Um, but it is it is definitely fun. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but it's by Cold Symmetry. The next game I've been playing, also uh, code provided to us by the developers, Sleeping Panda Games. It is an early access, so take everything with a grain of salt. And I believe uh, it's super early access to the point where, like, uh, in the game they call it a demo, which I thought was interesting. What? But um, <laughs> yeah, like it, I'll, I'll get to it in just a second. But it was okay. really interesting. It seems like. Overall, it only has, like, one world available. So, um, the game is a old-school platformer similar to, like, a Mario Bros, something like that, where you go through and you just collect these pieces of meat, you collect these eggs, and you just get to the end. You kind of just try to get through the level, and you also collect, like, um... They're not coins. The, the The meat itself is coins. So mm-hmm. you go through, you collect all this stuff, and then once you finish a level, it goes to that kind of like Super Mario World-esque like overworld map where you just move over to the next little area and you go through there and you do a little bit more. You do basically like the same things over and over again, but it adds in these new like little bits of uh, gameplay that it wouldn't have before. So like new enemies, um, like new enemy types that you have to avoid or like there were bees that were an enemy type which would stop if you looked at them so there were more of like this environmental hazard so you'd have to look at them and then try to do like a jump and then look at them again to try to make sure they weren't coming after you but there were some times where like it seemed to be bugged where i would look at a bee and it would keep coming at me i'm like (laughs) no no um that really sucked but Overall, I thought the game was really fun. I believe uh, it had upwards of like 10 levels in the first world. And that took me like uh, less than like an hour, less than an hour to beat. And then when I got to the end, um, there was like this little kind of escort mission level where it's not just straightforward levels. You don't just do like these platforming things to get eggs and get all this meat to then get like not necessarily high scores. It's just kind of like nice to have it like you you perfected. this kind of like world this area Mm -hmm. um but you also seemingly have these levels which have special stakes to it so it's still uh platforming but in this one i had this escort mission where i would have to run ahead of this little snail that's trying to get home and do all of these different like platforming puzzles to then lower down like not necessarily bridges but like uh kind of like make a bridge with these different like little tiles and blocks uh so that it could get over like these puddles or that it wouldn't get attacked by this random enemy stuff like that um i thought that was really cool and kind of refreshing because i spent like nine levels just going through like doing some platforming and then i had to do like platforming but i also had to do it it was kind of like a time trial where i had to Hmm. do it really quickly to try to make sure that this snail didn't die because then i would have to just do the entire thing over again which i did once and it sucked so um when i got to the end of it it was really cute the snail's like oh i've got mayo and it's like oh it's for you it's from the developers of this game and they say thank you for playing the game uh it says thank you for playing the demo we are working hard on more so just stay tuned and follow us uh at like sleeping panda on on twitter uh something like that i'll make sure that i link that um (laughs) but i 
thought the game was really fun. I think it's very, very cute. I like a lot of the character design. So like the baby dino itself is very cutesy. Uh, and so are like many of the enemies and just kind of like the designs in general, like the clouds all have these like goofy kind of lovable smiley faces. Um, I thought that was really, really cute. The platforming itself is not exceptionally difficult, but it's not super easy. So it's like kind of uh, that nice little bit of challenge that I enjoy. Um, but of course, like if you played it, you probably wouldn't find it that challenging. So <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Platformers can sometimes be really challenging, even though if they look cutie. Um, this is interesting because it, it kind of looks like, uh, like they definitely have the whole Super Mario thing going and the bees are basically just booze, uh, the way you described it. But it also reminds me like they're trying to put tropes from Crash Bandicoot in there with like TNT and nitro boxes and yeah, little things in there. I like the way, um, you know, yeah, it works exactly like Crash Bandicoot with those. The The overworld is definitely Super Mario Brothers 3 style. The game does look really cutesy though. Uh, I mean, I think it's interesting. I'd try it. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's it's a lot of fun, um, and of course, it's early access, so once again, take everything negative, I say, with a grain of salt, because it might be fixed, or the game itself might be different, so maybe the positives as well. Um, but some things that I did find like negative was the camera tracking was super jarring. So like in Mario, where it has that kind of static camera and you just follow Mario, yeah. this instead follows your character. So at times when you jump, the camera jumps with you, mm. and it's it's off-putting at times um and it makes some platforming segments kind of hard and of course like the the bugs that i said um like how i looked at the bee and it kept coming after me or they have characters throughout levels that like some of them teach you gameplay mechanics that are new but others are just there for no reason um (laughs) so that was interesting but yeah i thought the game was fun um and i hope like other people get a chance to try it go check it out we will be doing a giveaway for this game as well uh at the end of this week make sure you check out our twitter technically it's not going to happen when this episode airs because we do have our mists of noia uh giveaway going until the saturday after this episode airs so like either on that saturday or on sunday we're going to start another giveaway for baby dino's adventure uh or baby dino adventures so make sure you go Follow us on Twitter at IndiePod to get some free games, if not anything. The Mists of Noia thing, we're giving away two copies to two lucky people. Uh, and I very much hope, or possibly, I would hope two people um, instead of just one person. But it is multiplayer, so it would be cool to give two to one person mm. so then they could play with someone else. Or but I would like they could become friends. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Or I would like to, the like, people finding out, I, I would announce the like winners maybe they play together or they enjoy the game and they want to play multiplayer so they have their friend purchase a copy i think that would be good but yeah uh mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and you haven't entered our miss of noia giveaway make sure to go to twitter enter a lot of people have entered i'm honestly surprised like Hell our yeah. giveaways keep getting much more popular i think we're like upwards of like 40 or 50 people wow um, entering, that's good nice yeah this Very giveaway nice. so we're becoming hope, we're becoming the uh, the Oprah of indie games. Yeah, dude. It's always like you get an indie game, you get an indie game. We've given <laughs> away quite a few indie games, so true, make man. sure 
to follow us at IndiePod. And make sure to check out Baby Dino Adventures, uh, which is in early access. Keep an eye on uh, Mortal Shell. Check out Primal Light and Neon Abyss. But it's time for us to get into our main news stories. Our first news story, and technically our second one, is there too. So I'm just going to say they're both over on IGN. The first one written by Joe Screbbles is uh, developer, or developer, dude, fuck. I even did a similar thing before we started. I hate it so much. Uh, Devolver Direct 2020, everything announced and shown. I think this was short enough to where we don't need to do it like we do normally, where we just choose games. Instead, yeah, we'll just kind fine. of go through everything and talk about what we thought. Yeah, Sound good? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. of course. Sweet. Uh, so the first thing on here is the Devolverland Expo, which is described as a first-person marketing simulation. It's a free minigame uh, which places you in an abandoned conference center and has you fight and puzzling your way to find Devolver-themed goodies, including trailers of games shown in the Direct. Josh, you have played the Devolverland Expo. What do you think? This is actually really cool. So I'm not going to lie. I kind of hope that others take this idea and start using this especially with covid times of like you can't go to a floor show and if you're a a publisher that's big enough something like a devolver to do something like this i thought it was super cool so the main starting of this is for some reason you're going into an e3 booth for devolver digital but it's like after hours everything's closed there's these weird security bots and everything's there to like kill you like it's very over the top which is a devolver thing But the way it plays out is you find a t-shirt gun, like a Devolver t-shirt gun at one of their booths, and that's your your way of attacking people. So you're literally just (laughs) shooting them with t-shirts so that the security bots kind of power down so you can run past them. And what you're doing is you're going to every single one of the booths for these games that they showed off in this Direct, and you have the, like, it's so cool, like, kind of similar to how nintendo always goes all out at their e3 booths where they have like last year they had luigi's mansion and they had that giant mansion where it's like all these spooky ghosts and like things that it's just very played out like the reason why this is so cool is because they get to do that with for a much cheaper cost obviously is like each one of those booths that you went to was walking into like an environment that was exactly like the game you walk into the carry-on world and it's like this very creepy laboratory with these tentacles and monster things that are like everywhere you go into the shadow warrior 3 world and it's this very like um japanese uh area very lush uh scenery these uh monuments all over the place like it just looks really cool um The one thing that I wish they would have done, so they had gameplay and they had a number of different things that you could do. It was like its own game, which I thought was interesting. But I wish that when you got to the areas in those booths, the way they had it was you would walk up and you'd get to watch one of the trailers. And I actually do enjoy that they did that because I got to see most of the trailers that were shown in the Devolver Direct, but like some of them were not shown, like Weird West. At least I don't remember it as much content being in the Weird West part of Devolver Direct anyway. So like... Wait, so the Weird West thing was in the Devolverland Expo? Yes, yes. Oh, because so, everyone keeps saying the Weird West was shown. And I was like, fucking where, dude? Yes, so that's this is what I mean. So that's how I saw Weird West. And honestly, like when we talk about it, I got much more excited about the game watching that trailer inside oh. Devolver Land Expo. And I was like, oh, this does look like a game I really want. But anyway, so I wish what they would have done, because there are some that, that have them, I wish they would have been like, 
here's the demo for you to play. Because there was a section where you would walk up and there was a big TV that would show the trailer whenever you walked into the room. But there was also areas that had like little setup, kind of like a, a showroom where you can demo the game and it showed like a title screen for those. And I wish you'd be able to walk up to the ones that had them and actually play the demos of these games inside the game. I think that would be what takes this to the next level and makes it like very viable of an option for people to do things like this. Obviously, this is money, but thinking of a world where we are very isolated right now because of COVID and we don't know what's going to happen in this world. Like we don't know when this is going to go away. We can't for like months ago, we were saying, oh, it'll be done by, you know, middle of the year. Well, it's middle of the year past that. And we're still just going up and up and up, especially in the States. You know, other areas are safer, but like we don't know what this is going to look like for us. And this is a really cool thing, especially when uh, I said this in a tweet, like when VR becomes much more accessible, like think about how cool it would be to have something like this, where you could literally go to a showcase, an expo of like something like E3, but it's literally a virtual game that you're walking into. That would be so cool. Yeah. So like those are all of the thoughts that kept going in my head while I was playing this. And I was like, wow, this is really like, you know, Devolver, they're always known for just being over the top and being very wacky and kind of crazy. But like, this is such a cool idea, like such a weird marketing ploy that I, I don't think we've ever seen because it's just super weird. And Devolver is always doing shit like this. And so I just, I thought it was such a unique way to to go about it. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, Granted, there was a lot of it where you just watch trailers, but like I'm interested in a lot of these games anyway. And if I wasn't interested in the game, you could watch like a portion of the trailer and then just skip through it to get past the the part of, hey, you watched this part. Yeah, this would be really cool. Like how you said if they implemented more like demos, this would be a really viable option. Right. Where like E3 this year obviously canceled and it seems like the... Um, not the ESRB, the ESA are like mm-hmm. trying to kind of get get a hold of what they're going to do for E3 2021. And I think right. it would be really cool if they did something like this, where it was like just a virtual E3 where you could go through and you could play games and right. you wouldn't have to worry about lines. You wouldn't have to worry about COVID, like being sanitary, all that stuff. And you could do it all from your own home. And I think it would make E3 much more accessible to like the standard person. And then they could also make the like actual E3 expo once again for press, because it would kind of like help in both sense where press was super like seemingly very annoyed at the fact that there were kind of like just standard gamers like the hobbyist crowd at e3 because it made appointments very hard to get to and it was also very crowded right so they could have their physical e3 where they got like exclusives and all sorts of stuff and then there could be this additional like version of e3 online that's completely playable for anyone who's has a pc that can do it right like i think that would be very very cool yeah and i mean the logistics there you know there's probably way more on the back end of actually getting this and it wouldn't work the way that you know in our minds of like that perfect version like it would probably go horrible it would cost too much money but like i'd love to see that perfect world where i get something like that because i just think it would be really cool to experience 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think so, too. Uh, so let's move on to some of the other stuff in the Devolver Direct. Uh, Shadow Warrior 3, we got a the first gameplay look. Uh, it apparently is a 2021 uh, game. Have you played any of the Shadow Warrior games? No, and I actually have, I think, Shadow Warrior 2, but I've just never really cared for it. And honestly, like, watching the trailer, it was... <laughs> This is going to sound very old and kind of like, Meh. but like it was too grotesque for me. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is a lot. And I just, I'm not really into it. And like, there, there's like a whole thing where like, I do like violent games and I play a lot of violent games, but like it was to the point where it was like grotesque just for the point of being grotesque. And it was just like, I don't know if I really care that much to see this every time I stab someone. <laughs> Yeah, it seemed very over the top. Yeah. Um, like, there was, like, buckets and buckets of blood. Yeah. It was, like, Quentin Tarantino levels blood. Exactly, uh, yeah. It was a little crazy. But so, I, I've i never played a Shadow Warrior game, but I, I do have to say, like, it does look really good. Yes, the combat yes. looks, like, very sleek and very fast-paced. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it would look really cool, especially, like... I don't know. There's a lot of people talking about like Doom and Doom Eternal, how they brought back this really like fast paced kind of like arena shooter esque mm-hmm. style. And I wonder if Shadow Warrior, like the series, is similar to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and how it compares in a sense. But I I don't know. I haven't played much of Doom like 2016 or Eternal, and I've never played Shadow Warrior three so mm-hmm. or any of the Shadow Warrior games. But it does look very very cool and looks really pretty. I have to say, it looks very impressive yeah. uh, so on to the next game uh this is called olija o-l-i-j-a oliha there you yeah. go i don't know it, it looks very interesting um it's coming this fall to pc and nintendo switch oliha is a prince of persia expi- inspired action adventure uh featuring a shipwreck captain and a country full of people who really don't want him to be there i just like that description um (laughs) yeah honestly this game it so i'm not in love with the art style uh it this type of art style always seems like it's just not finished to me because it's very like it's very broken up but it doesn't feel like full pixelated kind of uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass here and it doesn't make any sense, but like it looks really jagged. I yeah. get what you, you're talking about. Yeah. Um, the actual gameplay to it though, looked super cool. Like it was, it's one of those ones that I, I was looking at it and I was like, this looks like it would be really confusing to pick up at start. But like, once you get that flow down, it looks like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Watching the actual trailer, I'm I'm gonna be honest, I didn't understand like a lot of it. At one point, like your character gets stabbed, just stabbed out of nowhere. You throw <laughs> this spear and can like teleport to it. I yeah. mean, I I think I just need to see more about this game because it looks cool. It's very fast paced. Um, and I love this kind of like spear throwing mechanic where you can teleport to it. It reminds me of like Dundara. Hmm. Um but I just don't know. This game looks so weird and obscure to the point where, like, this is a game that I'd have to play to understand, which there is a demo available on Steam. Yeah. So I might try that out and see what it feels like uh, for next week. But cool. I think this game looks cool. I'm going to keep an eye on it this fall. Um, maybe reach out to see if we can get a code because it does seem, like, obscure and interesting, and I think the story will be really cool. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but on to the next game. Uh, this is Fall Guys, of course. 
one we've seen like a million times, uh, the 60-player <laughs> Battle Royale game shown, and that wasn't derogatory, I'm just saying we've seen it a lot, uh, show is coming to PC and PS4 on August 4th. We got to look at it. this, uh, like mini games, costumes, including a pre-order exclusive Half-Life outfit to grab on PC. Uh, this is once again coming out on August 4th. Are you going to play Fall Guys? No. I mean, it seems really fun. It seems... I think we could do something fun with it. I mean, I guess so. It does seem like a lot of fun, like looking at it, like I can see that it would be interesting i just don't know how uh the longevity of that game would be because it seems like something i would try and i'd be like this is fun and then never really play it again yeah i feel like they'd have to have a really like large variation of mini games to go through it can't be the same thing over and over again right because i think that would get kind of depressing well not depressing but it would uh I don't know, just get grading. But I think, like, in a land where we eventually do Let's Plays, I think Fall Guys would be a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I mean, I'd be down. Uh, the next game is Carrion. Woo! Of course, we've talked about this so many times. Uh, the tentacle-propelled reverse horror game is finally arriving on PC, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, uh, in just two weeks on July 23rd. And I believe it's actually coming to Xbox yes, Game Pass it is. as well on day one. So that's really exciting. How did you feel about Carrion? Dude, uh, so I played the demo, and I, I did agree. I was listening to Active Quest uh, today, and Joseph made a comment about it feeling a little wonky, like the the controls of it and i do agree when i played the demo a while back it kind of felt a little bit hard to control at times but like i'm still really into the whole idea of being this giant blob that just eats people like even if the controls are kind of wonky and it doesn't feel as right as it could i just i love it (laughs) like i don't know i just i want more of it i mean you like it you love it you want some more of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I the in the carry on gameplay I really enjoyed like little tidbits where like I'm I'm a prototype fan. I thought prototype was cool. Never played prototype 2 but thought prototype was cool. And the like in that game you consume people and you can turn into them. You can kind of shapeshift into them. Obviously it seems different in carry on where you can like control people's actions, but I thought that was really cool. How, like, at times it looked like the carry-on would, like, kind of invade someone and use them to go, like, open a door or something like that and then consume them. I thought that looked very, very cool. And also, I feel like we can't get over the fact that um, the carry-on talking to Phil Spencer was so (laughs) gross. It was so disgusting. And it had that really wet-looking tongue. I was like, ugh! Yeah, it was interesting. It. it was interesting they they went with a different carry on this time because that like that was much different of a style than we had the the first not the first but like the last of our Devolver Digital, like uh, the last time it didn't really have a face. It was just like a blob that was talking. Yeah, and this time it had a beak like a fucking starfish or a kraken. Yeah, it was, like it looked creepy as shit. It was very strange. <laughs> but that's but just yeah, Devolver. The, the game, I'm very excited for it. Hopefully, we'll get a code for it. Um, I'm super stoked to play it on July 23rd. The next game up is Serious Sam 4. I don't have much to say about this. Uh, we got another peek at the absurdly action-packed FPS. Uh, ahead of? What? what uh, ahead mean? of its. Oh, okay. Ahead of. I was like, what? <laughs> Does that even mean? Ahead of its August release on PC and Stadia, which I think is cool that it's coming to Stadia. Yeah. But also... I've never played a Serious Sam game before. I have no fucking idea what any of this is. In the Devolver Direct, when, like, the guy runs up and has no head and is, like, carrying these weird things, I was like, 
What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know too much about the series either. I just know that it's supposed to be very similar to that kind of fast action paced shooter. Um, but it, it, yeah, it doesn't really do anything for me. It's cool that it's coming, but eh, not for me. All right. Uh, on to Blightbound. Uh, it is an online local multiplayer dungeon crawler. It's coming to Steam Early Access on July 29th. And uh, we got to look at three classes, multiple worlds, puzzles, and lots and lots of combat. Um, I don't remember actually seeing Blightbound in the Devolver Direct. I don't think so, so I, because um, Blightbound was something that's... it's. Like, we've known about it before this, and we've seen that trailer before this. So I remember seeing it in the expose, like, the, or the, the, the game. The Devolverland Expo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't remember seeing it in the actual direct. Um, that being said, Blightbound looks pretty cool. Like, I've seen it before. I think it would be fun. Um, I think we talked about it once before, because I think this is one of the games where I was yeah, like... Yeah, we have. Yeah, I think this is one of the games which I'll talk about in Kickstarter as well, but I'm like, why do people keep making these three-player games? Why are you not using four people? It's very strange to me. Um, not everyone has as many friends as you, Josh. I we all got have... our friends cancer, and they ditched us. Well, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one more friend. I literally, man, it's so weird being like at that age where you're like, I don't have many social things that I do anymore, and I don't really make a lot more friends. It's very strange. Anyway, strange tangent. Um... I don't know. Blightbound looks cool, though. I, I don't know if I want to pick it up right away. I think I might wait till it's not early access, though, to be honest. Um, but it does look like it would be fun as long as you have other people with you. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I thought the art style looked really cool. Um, I'm not going to pick it up right away, mostly just because, like, it just doesn't look like my kind of game. Like, it, it looks cool, uh, but I don't play a lot of, like, co-op or, like, multiplayer games. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So even if I eventually pick this up, it's going to be after the early access launch. And hopefully, like, Josh will get it. Like, maybe, hey, there you go, dude. Uh, well, I'll play with you. I'll yeah, you want to play? All right, all right. I'll get maybe. it. I'll get it if you get it. And we actually play If it together. has a better than, like, a 10% off sale or 20% off oh sale, God. like, freaking Risk of Rain 2. so frugal. <laughs> No, I need to change that, though, because, like, with all the discussion of, like, increased video game prices, indie game prices need to come into that discussion as, like, a really, like, fluctuating thing, but also that people like me and a lot of other people, they don't pay, like, a high price for indie games. Like, you you see an indie game, you see it's 30 bucks, you're like, mm, that seems like a steep price, I, I don't know. know if I want to pay that. Yeah. But I need to get over that. I need to just start investing into these games, especially something like Risk of Rain 2, where, yeah, I might be paying, like, uh, 25, 30 bucks, whatever it is, but also, there's an exceptionally large amount of content in that game. Yeah. So it's it's not like I'm getting like like five hours of gameplay for 30 bucks or whatever. It's like I'm getting massive amounts of replayability that I can play with my friends. So I need to get over that. Everyone needs to get over it. <laughs> Indie games are well worth an increased price point. Because um, at this point, like it seems like if an indie game costs more than $20, it's kind of like, ooh, no. And <laughs> even at $20, I don't think most people buy it. They yeah. just wait for like they a wait for the sale. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's tough because I mean we've talked about this before. Indie games just have that that connotation of like you're supposed to be cheaper because you're smaller as far as a studio making it, and it's like, well, times have changed. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on to the last game shown, which is Weird West. Apparently, we got a fresh look at this new isometric immersive sim from the creators of Dishonored and Prey. Weird West is due in 2021. Uh, director Rafael Colantonio uh, showed off the action RPG, which has you playing as five gunslingers in a fantastical take on the Old West. Uh, so I didn't get to see any of this because I swear to God, it is not in the Devolver Direct. So Josh, having played the Expo, what did you think about Weird West? So when I watched the trailer from Weird West inside the the Expo game, uh, I was actually super excited because it it honestly what kind of made me laugh is it reminds me of west of dead and i was like i was like wow this is the same of like the outer worlds outer wilds thing um i mean it did literally happen to us both where we both wanted to play it thinking it was weird west yeah exactly so it has that same kind of mechanic as far as like a top down you use kind of a a twin stick shooter to to fire a gun off but it's much more in a world of you're living in this uh, constantly changing environment. So it reminds me, um, and I haven't played uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, but this seems more like a Red Dead that I would be into playing. Um, But the way that, at least the thing that got me really into it is you have these constant stories that you're going about and you're, you know, completing quests and whatever, like a normal game. But there's these uh, choices that you make in the game that are very consequential of how the world around you plays out. So what I mean by that is they showed an example of you killing these these merchants. And you, basically you can kill anyone in the game. And you... That's cool. Yeah, so they, they killed one of the merchants, but another one of them got away. And so they were saying, like, this will have consequence because later in the story you're going to be ambushed by them essentially, or they'll, you know, they'll do things later where they'll bring other friends or they'll bring people to come and get you like kind of like you're wanted essentially from their side. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting because it, it adds to a lot of each play could be a little bit different just because what choices do you make in the game? Are you going to let everyone live? Are you going to kill everyone? Like what's it going to look like for you depending on how you play this game? So I'm super excited to see more of it. Obviously, it was just a trailer, and I want to get more details. Um, But yeah, this is one that definitely after watching the trailer and getting to see more of what gameplay looked like, I'm looking forward to for sure. Especially because, like, I'm a big fan of, like, Wild West. Um, I think the, like, Old West is very, very cool. But also, like, this this interesting, like, magical take on it where there's, like, Wendigos and there's seemingly, like, some form of magic and all sorts of weird shit. Like, it looks awesome. Yeah. And there's, like, werewolves. I don't, I don't know. This game just looks so cool. And uh, I just really like these kind of, like... Uh, I, I guess, like, twin stick shooters in the Wild West. Like, freaking, dude, West of Dead really got me into this. I didn't expect it to in, like, Colt Canyon. <laughs> like, these games made me want to play something like Weird West. And I want to play more West of Dead. They just got to fix that fucking cover mechanic. And then I'll be <laughs> solid, dude. I'll be into it. But the second that that kicks me out of cover, I'm like, I'm going to punch you in the dick, dude. I'm going to I'm gonna come and find you. And I'm... I'm I'm just so sick of it. It's the true so struggle. Um, the the most interesting thing about Weird West is I want to know how like maneuverable it is because it looks like very static. 
um, similar to what you'd expect from like a Western game, like an old West game, uh, similar to like Red Dead Redemption is like, you're not rolling around and like dodging and all sorts of stuff. Uh, similar to like West of dead. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look a lot like that. So I'm wondering how maneuverable your characters are mm. because most twin stick shooters allow you a little bit more leeway when it comes to like maneuvering around. Cause you have to avoid like bullets and stuff like that. So right. Yeah, I don't know I'm because it, it seemed it seemed like a lot of the 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 gameplay revolved around stealth, and it might be that it it puts you more at risk if you just go guns blazing. And they like try to like they said they said there were there were different ways to to kind of play the way you wanted to, but it seems like it was more stealth is the right way to go with it. Um, but I don't know because there's also five different gunslingers that you can play, so it might be that you know some are more. Um, more equipped to to traverse around the world in a quicker pace yeah i wonder if this is going to be like kind of this octopath traveler scenario where playing through the game as like different characters is vastly different Mm. but it's still the same like overall storyline kind of a thing you know what i mean Mm, yeah i don't know we'll have to see it's uh, something to look forward to uh, speaking of looking forward to, our next news story is over on IGN. It is written by Matt T.M. Kim, which is a cool name. Uh, <laughs> so it is uh, Psychonauts 2 had cut all its boss fights uh, for cost reasons before Microsoft bought Double Fine. So, of course, technically Double Fine is no longer an independent studio, but I just wanted to see the other side of this scenario where, like, a large company buys out this independent studio. So, yeah. um... Various Xbox game studios leaders like Tim Schafer and Brian Fargo revealed more about what it means to jump up and become or join up and become an Xbox first party studio <laughs> in the case joy. of Do- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, In the case of Double Fine joining X- the Xbox stable meant being able to put back boss fights into Psychonauts 2, which were previously cut due to budget shortages. In an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, several studio heads now working under the Xbox Game Studios umbrella share the experience of being acquired by Xbox. Xbox Game Studios boss Matt Booty, which you gotta imagine he got bullied. For like, sure, dude. If your last name cool is Cool name, Booty, but you definitely got the bad end of that stick. You gotta, you gotta just really lean into it. Yeah, right? You're like, yeah, dude. I was named after what I love. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> prefers a method of acquisition called limited uh, integration. Sorry, I'm having issues. Uh, okay. Limited integration or unplugged studios where developers can remain as they are while Xbox provides financial firepower and support of the larger business, which I think we've actually talked about this before uh, when I believe In Exile was uh, In Exile, and I forget who the other studio is, but when um, like the Wasteland devs were purchased. Mm-hmm. Oh, In Exile and Obsidian. I yep. can't believe I forgot. When they were purchased by Microsoft and how, like, they said that apparently going forward, they were going to be pretty much, like, on their own. They they were still going to be under this Xbox Studios brand, but they still got to do what they were doing before. It was like they were by themselves. Right. And, like, how much, uh, how much, like how much work they get to put in that they want to instead of what Microsoft wants them to. And it seems like how independent they can be, I guess is what I mean to say. Um, Yeah, for sure. And it seems like from this, we get quite a bit. 
the like all of these studios that they're acquiring still get to be quite independent yeah um and i mean so here well here, before we continue here's yeah, the thing like this could be or could like it could be great or it could be terrible We'll have to see. Yeah. Obviously, we haven't seen the rewards of Xbox's choices. But I would say, you know, just giving my personal opinion of how I would think this is, as long as the team is super motivated and the team was uh, continuing on with a track record of having positive results, I think Xbox is making the right choice. And you can kind of see it in, like, a lot of the things they're doing. Xbox is not here to try and... Um, get in the way of anyone they're almost to the to their fault of like their own of just being like we want everyone to play cool games and we want everything to be accessible and sometimes it's like even hurting them to be that way but that's just the style that they've had and it's kind of why over the past couple of years like i've really gone back to xbox as just a, a supporter of like the microsoft brand because they they're just giving them the means to do cool things and and I don't know from from the side of Microsoft of, of how much money they make, especially when they're giving their games to other platforms and things like that. But like Microsoft has no reason to get in the way of their creativity when they were doing just fine without them, other than, you know, there's some need for monetary uh, help. But as far as renowned or like popularity, a lot of these teams already had a good track record in that case. So they're still going to to get those those sales and like Microsoft just wants people to to be successful. Yeah, and and giving them this kind of like independence hopefully will allow them that kind of creative freedom to make their game the way they want to mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll make games better. I guess like uh, you, you kind of got to hope like we talked about last week with Morgan that something that makes indie games so special is that this is what the creator wanted. They right. didn't do something because it would necessarily like uh, like make them more money or they weren't forced to do something because it would make them more money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They do it because they really want to. And hopefully that translates to these like studios being absorbed by Microsoft. Um, so. This goes on to say Double Fine boss Tim Schafer shared what this meant for Psychonauts 2 and how uh, with Psychonauts 2, we could see the end of our budget coming up. And so we had to cut a lot of stuff. We had to cut our boss fights. After the acquisition, Schaefer says the studio was able to put boss fights back in. Um, He then goes on to say, I'm looking forward to doing things for the right reasons. When we only have a certain amount of time and money, we might jump into a part of the game that you're not ready to jump into or start working on art before we're ready with design. But now I look forward to this era where we are doing everything for what is, uh, yeah, for what is right for the game. Mm -hmm. Xbox approach differs from the, uh, approach. Uh, <laughs> approach differs for each studio uh, in exile boss brian fargo for example shared a story about pitching the game the studio's next game to booty and <laughs> mm-hmm. and how despite it being a new idea it was relatively simple it was a relatively simple process he goes on to say i prepared the whole presentation i sat with my matt booty and said here it is uh 
or here is what we want to do. And he said, if that's what you want to do, then great. And it was over in 60 seconds. Booty and Xbox head Phil Spencer attribute the acquisition's philosophy to the lessons Microsoft learned from acquiring Minecraft developer Mahjong. Uh, The first priority was making sure the studio had the things that they needed to build the best version of their games, said Spencer. That meant uh, extending some of their timelines and giving them more budget. We have really strong support for from Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, and Amy Hood, the CFO, and there has been no signal at all that we should be slowing down. So something that I did want to hit on is, do you think that, like, or I guess ask you about, um, after Microsoft purchased double fine psychonauts was then delayed do you think it was delayed so that they could put these boss fights back in the game and they could like polish up sections that they weren't necessarily like going to do before when they were running out of budget yeah for sure i mean i i can't imagine that it wouldn't be the fact that like like that's the whole reason right you ask for more funding because you want to put more into the game or because you want to put the amount that was supposed to be in the game actually in the game so it it's not so and this is a weird part because i'm kind of going to contradict myself to what i just said a little bit earlier about like xbox is making the right choice is that one of the things that i've noticed with double fine uh from way in the past is they seem to have a bad problem with getting things on time or doing it exactly as they said they were going to like meeting deliverables and one of the things that's interesting to me is psychonauts 2 had at least from my eyes and i could be wrong because what do i know um but it seemed like they had a lot of money behind them and it seems like they had a good amount of time to create this so i'm i'm wondering like okay well what went wrong like why didn't you have enough money why did you originally say you could do it and then had the the you know the time and and the resources kind of drain up where you're like oh we can't actually do this and that could just be you know improper planning or it could be a lot of other bad things that happened throughout the course that we're not hearing that, you know, if Microsoft doesn't come in and say like, okay, well, we need to change certain things like that could happen again. Right. Um, but at the same time to answer your question again, like I definitely think that's the reason why it's pro it's interesting that they're saying it now, I guess, closer to maybe when they're going to say like, Hey, it's coming out soon because I'm pretty sure this would have had a different like this would have been painted a different way if it was they got the studio taken over and they said that they were going to start working on Psychonauts 2 and it was delayed because they were planning on taking stuff out beforehand. Like I think it, it those two things coinciding at the same time probably would have painted a negative light to it. Whereas now it's like, a, oh, Xbox the hero kind of a thing um, because we already know that Psychonauts 2 got pushed back. It wasn't anything like other than that. I don't know. Maybe not, but it's just the way I see it. Yeah, yeah, I I get what you mean. I'm so excited for Psychonauts 2. I think it's amazing that Microsoft is allowing them to be, like, independent to work on their games the way they want to. I, of course, think, like, how you were talking about how Double Fine seems to have this issue with meeting uh, and kind of, like, shipping games. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I imagine that Microsoft can help with that. Mm-hmm. They can uh, they can apply like I don't want to say apply pressure, but they can apply the right pressure mm-hmm. to to help someone to push them toward what they need to do while also making the best decisions for their game. So I'm very excited to see what happens with Psychonauts 2 and all of these studios that are being purchased by Microsoft. If they're you know what kind of is like mind boggling though? Hmm. At the end of that news story, they're talking about how like Microsoft is possibly in the running for these WB properties. Um and all that stuff. And people they're talking about how Microsoft isn't like the it's not they're not done buying studios. Right. They bought a lot but they're not done buying studios and i am honestly at this point super surprised that they haven't bought like they they didn't buy studio mdhr which is the the people who developed cuphead they haven't bought um moon studios like both of them are working in a second party like in a second party relationship Mm -hmm. um they didn't buy like play dead i'm honestly surprised that they haven't like kind of pushed to purchase these independent game studios Hmm. it's I, I don't know why. It's just like their brands are so synonymous with Xbox. You'd think that they would purchase them. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, and it's probably because they're already in some kind of contract, you know? Like, yeah. they, they might go a couple of years down the road and then they do purchase them because it makes more sense. But they just might be already in some kind of legally binding contract where Microsoft is like, we're not really going to get much out of buying you as a studio when we already have certain certain rights where you're going to us first for games, whether it's a limited release or releasing just solely on our consoles. Yeah, the the logic that I follow is pretty much just the same logic that like Sony and Insomniac, where like so many of Insomniac's IPs were on Sony consoles and like strapped to the consoles and they were synonymous with them. So it just makes sense for Sony to purchase Insomniac. Right. So now that like, all of that is just theirs now. It's it's first party. They don't have to worry about them making uh, not necessarily the next Ratchet and Clank because that's a Sony IP, but right. like its competitor for Microsoft. So I I think it would just make sense for Microsoft to purchase these studios, but also like I I'm not gonna say I want that to happen because I don't. I'm just saying it would kind of make sense. Um, yeah. Well, actually, it's not that I don't want it to happen either. I'm just kind of agnostic i guess I mean, but it'd be sad because then we can't talk about cuphead news that's true i mean <laughs> i don't know we could always still talk about cuphead you know but <laughs> whatever uh so it's time to hop into news camp say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast, cram me full of all sorts of indie games news. This week, we do not have any quick news stories or any new deals and quick steals, um, but make sure you follow us on Twitter. Every time I run into a deal that's going to end up like going, like kind of expiring, I guess in quotes, um, by the time that our episode comes out, I try to make sure I tweet about it. So follow us at IndiePod on Twitter, but we got a whole bunch of new stuff to talk about. So... 
Our first three items and new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that combat racing game Lost Wing by Boxfrog Games is headed to the Nintendo Switch on July 31st, that Roguevania Dead Cells Physical Collector's Edition through Signature Edition finally has a new release date after being delayed due to the coronavirus. Sadly, you'll have to wait until the end of August for these physical goodies, uh, which will now also include all the paid-for DLC. Uh, I'm, I say that because I don't know if it was included initially it's very possible that it was but if you do purchase it uh through signature edition when you get it in august it will include uh the i I forget it's like the bad seed in the hands of giants something like that like Mm -hmm. it i know it's like a seed in a giant so i'm just gonna say that um the Dead Cells DLC. Uh, and lastly, that action-adventure game Eden Path of the Forgotten is now available on the Nintendo Switch and PC. Now over to Polygon, where it supported that adventure game Creeks by Amanita... Amanita, I don't know, design, uh, is headed to the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, Windows PC, and Mac on July 22nd. Uh, over on Twinfinite, it's reported that Shoot 'em Up Armageddon Onslaught by Cranesoft is officially headed to the Xbox One and Xbox Series X with the Steam versions of the game, or the Steam version of the game set to release on March 5th, 2021. And that 2D action adventure game, or sorry, 2D action platformer, uh, Panzer Paladin by Tribute Games is set to release on Nintendo Switch and PC on July 21st. Ah, I'm excited for that game because it looks very, very cool. Now over on IGN where it's reported that Time Manipulation FPS Super Hot by Super Hot Team has just received some new DLC titled Mind Control Delete, which will be free for all those who've already purchased the game uh, by the time that this releases, by the way. Hmm. I should specify that. Um, And uh, it's going to be $25 for everyone else. Sadly, if you received the game through free means such as like Twitch Prime, Xbox Games with Gold, or possibly the Epic Game Store, you still have to pay for the dlc you don't get the free dlc which kind of just makes sense Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and to round out the group over on GameSpot, it's reporting that free to play fighting game brawlhalla by blue mammoth games is headed to mobile on august 6th and will support crossplay across all other platforms and lastly that dungeon crawler blightbound by renemo games is coming to early access uh on july 29th like we like we said steam early access july 29th so big josh boy we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that it's time for us to give back to the creators in our next segment god bless the crowd where the biggest of average josh boys hops in to all sorts of crowdfunding sites and find something cool for us to talk about this week we're going to be talking about death ground a dinosaur survival horror game uh that's kind of like subtitle i guess is a solo and co-op survival game that throws players in a desperate battle for survival against deadly ai dinosaurs at the time of this recording they are asking for 100,552 uh yeah uh, over a hundred thousand dollars okay i i can't remember how i said it but it's over a hundred thousand dollars uh they currently have $63,426 another big so they've got a decent amount well with 1,806 backers and 22 days left to go this is by jaw drop games which is an independent studio based in the uk so big josh boy what do you think about death ground a survival horror game I think it looks like Left 4 Dead, but with dinosaurs. Yeah, but Left 4 Dead, I feel like, is much more action-y. This seems like horror, like pretty intense survival mm-hmm. horror where 
it doesn't seem like everyone's just going to have like a pistol that you could just shoot a bunch of fucking zombies and shit like that. This seems much more deliberate, I guess. I suppose that's true. Um, but I, I'm thinking more of the fact that you have your unique classes. You're all trying oh, yeah. to do the same like uh, main major point of going from one area to do some final type mission thing. That'll probably be like a, you know, capture the flag kind of situation where you're stuck in one zone and there's waves of dinosaurs coming at you. Um, it seems very familiar and kind of the dark, creepy vibe to it. Uh, it does look, you know, slower paced than something like Left 4 Dead. Uh, watching the people actually like walk through seems like it's normal movement speed that you would have in real life as opposed to video game speed, which is just like someone shooting off into the distance. Um, which, granted, I'm, I'm kind of upset about because I hate normal movement speed. Um <laughs> <laughs> but like I but, play a game to run faster than I can. Jeez. Exactly. But it does look pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Having, I, I wouldn't do it in the solo version that they have, which seems like just a harder version of having to get through by yourself. But the co-op survival part of this, of having those different classes and each one having a specific, you know, objective to, or not really objective, but a specific part that they play in this yeah uh, like abilities and strengths right everyone has their own specific thing that they can do and part that they need to play to be successful and you have to work together as a team and there's all these dinosaurs coming at you like i think this could be a lot of fun um i'm a little upset about the fact that it's more of which is a weird thing to say but it's more of like a replayability type game i wish it was something that was more story-based and it was like you trying to get off this island or you trying to you know just survive and there's some kind of story to it um but that being said there's a lot of people who are out there that just want that you know i want to play something over and over again and get the most bang for my buck so i think it is pretty worth it. I don't think they're asking for a lot because it's, I think it, the early bird comes out to, I believe $16 us. Yep. And the, the actual game, just not the early bird is uh $19, 19? which isn't crazy. It's not a crazy amount. And I think this looks like a pretty polished game. Um, and this is only like the alpha, I believe they said. So like, looks pretty good for <laughs> the, like the timeline that they have. Um, but they also have like a lot of really cool uh, physical rewards and things like the t-shirt and there's just like a, a lot of different interesting things that you can back into if you really like this. Um, but that being said, it, it just, it's something that I'm going to keep my eye on. I don't really have any plans to back it. One of the things that I do like is especially games that like this, that really play into the fact that they're like, you want friends to to actually play this game with you they have tiers that are specific to like get three copies or get two copies and it's a discounted amount i I really love when kickstarters do that because it pushes people to actually get their friends who think that you know you you think they will actually play this and you're like okay we're all gonna pull our money in it'll be great you know and (laughs) it kind of sucks though it's like in two years we'll all have a game to play (laughs) yeah it's kind of like uh in a sense like a way out um, yeah, how they yeah. did where you purchase the game for 60 bucks, but you got two copies cause it required you to play it with a friend. So you give that other copy to your friend. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's a lot like that. I mean, I think this game looks really cool. Um, how you were talking about how you wish it had like more of this story. It seems like that's where it very much comes into this like Left for Dead esque like scenarios thing, right? Where you're gonna have different environments and different objectives, but for the most part, you just like you spawn at the point, you get loot, you get to the extraction point, you level up after. Exactly. And very similar to Left for Dead, with the exception of like leveling up doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Um. But it seems like in this game, uh, if you level up, you can unlock some new content, which I don't know if that means like more maps, but possibly just like more guns or yeah. abilities, something like that. Yeah, probably just upgraded um, versions of things you start out with. Yeah, yeah. And how you were talking about like uh, the human aspect of speed, it is possible that like what we saw in the trailer was very much like maybe the engineer who has less sprint speed because mm. there's like the scout who has much higher sprint speed and is like kind of more of a stealthy character mm-hmm. or the hunter who is like pretty much moderate but is very stealthy and does other stuff. Right, um, right. I think it's cool that they have these character classes that are very much geared toward like specific um specific roles yep i think that's cool um and overall i just think the entire idea of like like this is a game that's really like jurassic park you are stuck in a park with fucked up dinosaurs that are trying to eat your ass and you're just trying to get out and it totally makes sense that there's like velociraptors in this and stuff like that i i think it's very cool and i think it's cool that like these are not uh this is not like this isometric rpg um, or not isometric RPG. Um, it, it's not asymmetric multiplayer mm-hmm. where you like someone plays as the dinosaur. Instead, these are AI dinosaurs who apparently will like learn and react to what you're doing. And you have to like kind of fool them and get around them. And there are multiple different types where they have like uh, these smaller dinosaurs versus like velociraptors. And um, I think I honestly that's really small print but they have like uh t-rexes and stuff like that like all these really cool and like differing very like variations of dinosaurs you have to go up against Mm. so i think it's super cool you're gonna i i you're gonna throw 350 dollars at it to get that dinosaur plushie oh my god it looks so cute i (laughs) know but i think it looks very very cute and then there's also like how you can get the uh a t-rex statue yeah that looks i thought that was really cool i do Um, like the hoodie like i like the design of the the actual like their logo logo. yeah yeah it's like it's like a t-rex footprint Mm -hmm. kind of a thing with death ground over it yeah this game looks really cool i think it could be really fun it reminds me a lot of like of course uh left for dead or like gtfo stuff like that where it's like this hardcore like party based games where you hop in with your friends and you could just play forever like something you'll just have fun with it's like a let's play game kind of a thing like you you don't have to like really get into the story or anything like that you hop in you play it's like friday the 13th but instead of jason trying to kill you and actually being a person it's a fucking t-rex trying to eat your ass so (laughs) i think it's super cool pretty I, i like it a lot yeah um, any last thoughts on uh, Death Ground before we hop into our uh, listener questions? Now nah, let's get those questions. All right. So our, of course, we put out a question thread that you can That's right. send in we your questions out. to. <laughs> but you can also send us questions at our email address, which is IndieIncursionPodcast at gmail.com. We have that tagged in our Twitter bio, so you can just copy, paste it, all that fun stuff so samuel fillion 
amazing person <laughs> writes in and says, I, I can't seem to decide what's the ideal sleep situation, summer heat with AC or cold winter with a thick blanket. And we're just going to stop there because he's got a bunch of stuff. Yeah. What do you think, Big Josh? So <laughs> first off, um, I don't know where you live, Sam, but uh, if you live in I Florida. He lives in Canada. Oh, he lives in Canada? <laughs> oh, okay. So if you live in Florida, uh, we don't really get a thing called winter. It's more like <laughs> always hot here. So I can't really answer your question. Um, summer heat with AC is okay, but uh, it still kind of sucks because it's just hot. Um I'm going to have to go with summer heat with AC because it's all I know. <laughs> so in Idaho, we have hot summers, very cold winters. So I've got both. And I would say I prefer cold winter with a thick blanket because I naturally run hot. But also, I think it's easier to get warm than it is to cool down. I mm. hate like sitting there in the summer and like your AC kicked on, but then it stops for a little while and you're just roasting in your bed and you're like, Oh my God, I can't like that kind of a thing where you kind of like, just want to like go into the bathtub, fill it up with water and then just sleep in it. That kind of a thing, like (laughs) definitely going to drown. Um, so yeah, I would say winter cold with a thick blanket, hundred percent. All right. There Um, you go. And this question's obviously for you. I'm just going to read the rest of it. He says, also, what do you wish to see in the new Pokemon Snap game, Nostalgic Vibes? And, by the way, he finished his first run Hell with the Silent yesterday. Yes. Very good. And that is, of course, uh, that is, fuck, how did I just forget the name? Slay the Spire. Of the game. Yes, Slay, Slay the Spire. Spire. He's talking about Slay the Spire. Um, Sam, so follow-up question on that. Did you beat it by actually defeating the heart? Or did you just beat the game by completing the first three acts? Uh, to answer your actual question, though, uh, what do you wish to see in the new Pokemon Snap game? I definitely want to see Pikachu riding on a surfboard. Um, <laughs> I, so oddly specific. That I mean, that was like the iconic, like that was right at one of the starting points. It's him like flipping on one of the, the surfboards. Like, it, honestly, what I want to see in the Pokemon Snap game is a lot of truth to the roots of the game i want the same kind of on rails mechanics of a lush and vibrant pokemon world where everything is going to be scripted unless you do something to change it so meaning the fact that you had things like being able to throw apples and then a creature would walk up and eat it and you could get them closer so you could take a better picture or you could lead them to certain things that would in like they would interact with other pokemon or they would find ways to evolve like that's really what i'm looking for is is that same kind of feel of like you get to see this really cool world around you and just experience it but then also play into like 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 one of the the best parts and honestly now that i'm thinking about it is i don't really really remember how i figured out a lot of things back in the day when internet really wasn't as big of a thing and you didn't get to just look (laughs) up like how to you know do xyz in a game or there wasn't guides or things like every day just being put out with this is what you can do in the game um but finding little things of of like oh you pushed this one pokemon i think it was like a a charmeleon into a pit of lava and he becomes a charizard like why would you have thought to do that 
like that sounds like a dick move also <laughs> like things like that of just like that experience of finding ways to interact with the world around you and coming up with these cool things that seem almost like you're discovering something that was like oh i can't believe i did this it wasn't it wasn't really meant to happen but like i was smart enough to figure it out kind of a thing you know like i love when games do that where they make you feel like you're the smart person in it when it's like obviously we knew you wanted to do that and they led you kind of to it but you had that like oh what if i did this idea like that's what i'm looking for yeah it's a good game design it makes you feel intelligent like it nudges you towards something besides explicitly saying exactly exactly um, and I guess just, I want the, the original 150 Pokemon cause I don't really care about the others, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't think they'll do that. I think they'll yeah, include no, like that, a large roster. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will. And that's one of the things why I probably won't be as like, oh, cool. But like when I was a kid, like I was really into that world. I loved Pokemon and I was so interested to be in that world and to take pictures of all these people that I cared about. Like now there's so many Pokemon where I'm like, what the hell are you? <laughs> like. <laughs> are you a pair of keys <laughs> i don't know yeah so uh so our next question uh morgan shaver writes in and says also friend of the show indie obscura check it out amazing um she writes in and says what did you think of the Devolverland expo uh well i mean i kind of alluded to that in my big winded answer about how the expo was um but honestly i loved it I thought it was great. I think that they should do it every year, even though I don't think that's a thing, but like, I hope that others follow suit. And for those publishers who can create something to that nature, I'd love to see more of that kind of world. All right. I very much agree. I think it's an amazing concept. And I think if it was just expanded, it could be something amazing for the industry, not just for like Devolver. And friend of the show, Chris Penwell also writes in and says, is at IndiePod, so IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast, the definition of insanity. By the way, yawn. Ooh, fuck you, dude. Fuck you and your yawn thing. I'm not even joking. When you wrote yawn, I yawned. Okay, I fucking hate it. I'm sick of this yawning bullshit. (laughs) It keeps making me yawn, and it's so annoying. Uh, so, Josh, is IndiePod the definition of insanity? Is this an inside joke of some sort? I don't understand what the question no, is. No, it's not. It's like a Far Cry 3 thing where, mm. like, Voss says, do you know the definition of insanity? And, of course, I believe it is a quote from Einstein who said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm. Well, then I would say no. I mean, I don't think so. I, I think that we do uh, the same thing, but don't expect the different results. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I don't know. I think, in a sense, all like all passion projects and all these like like these continuous things that all of us are doing and building something up from the ground, like Active Quest, like the HP Video Game Podcast Network, like all of these awesome podcasts. I think, in a sense, yes. It is the definition of insanity because we're doing the same thing over and over again to then, I guess, we're expecting a different result, but we are also getting a different result. Like we are gaining experience and we're gaining a community. So I think like, yes and no, we're Mm. doing the same thing, expecting a different result, but we are garnering that result because we're putting the time and effort into it. So once again, long answer for people who write in dumb questions. <laughs> uh, very good, though. I like it. Good way to end it. We're not insane, but kind of. <laughs> uh, like he just said, 
great way to end it. Thanks everyone so much for listening. Uh, this is of course the end of this podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to reach out to us at IndiePod on Twitter. You could talk to me, you could talk to Josh, you could talk about indie games. You could find out about the giveaways we're having. Uh, New deals and quick steals when I can't put them on here. All sorts of awesome stuff. Reminders to watch the episodes. Shouting out indie devs. Awesome stuff. And also, we remind you that we do have these indie dev interviews that I would highly recommend listening to because they are awesome. We'll talk about another one in just a second. But then you can follow me, of course, at Hyde Legion, H-Y-D-E-L-E-G-I-O-N on Twitter for all the dumb shit that I say. And, of course, you can follow the biggest of average Josh Boys at the underscore George 90. Big Josh Boy, do you have anything to shout out? Obviously, I just said you do. I do. Yes, thank you. Uh, so we just released today, the day we're recording, so a couple days ago for the people who are listening now um we released a interview with simon boxer he is the lead artist game designer for a game known as ring of pain uh i've previously talked about this on a couple of episodes i'm super excited to see this game come to fruition just because it is very very cool looking uh both in its art style and in just the mechanics that the game plays out to um Simon was super, super fun to talk to. Uh, He is all the way in Australia, so the time zone difference is crazy to me. I still think time is such a weird concept. Um, (laughs) But it was a fun interview. I definitely think for those who are interested in roguelites or dungeon crawlers or just really creepy looking games that look cool, you should check this out. Just check out the game. Check out the interview. Um, Go to their Discord because they're just starting their uh open beta for the game where i believe it's on friday so by the time you're listening to this episode i believe that their open beta should spawn up and they're they're giving out like keys in the discord for people who join Uh, i think there is a waiting list because there's like a point system they do in the discord which is really cool they have like based on the activity like how active you are in the community they'll give you points and for those who have the higher points they're getting keys first um but uh you know sign up it's a cool community there they're um it's just interesting yeah oh and uh, <laughs> uh before we go on i don't have anything else lined up as of right now so if anyone knows or if anyone listening who is a game developer wants to uh come on and do an interview with us, please reach out to me or reach out to uh, any of the other Twitter accounts or the email that you heard because we are more than willing to interview any of the indie developers uh, or creators who want a place to be heard. There you go. Make sure you check out all of Josh's indie dev interviews. They're fantastic. I very much enjoyed them. I was talking to him earlier before we did the podcast about spreading some love around uh, that an awesome person sent to us on Twitter talking about how much he enjoyed Josh's indie game interviews my personal favorite is thomas brush i thought it was awesome he talks a lot about the kind of like financial responsibilities that indie game developers have and how we as like a people and as lovers of indie games kind of need to change our perception of it being this kind of like altruistic career path these kind of like dying like starving artists and instead they need to be able to make money just like everyone else does so i found it i found it just absolutely amazing i'd recommend everyone listen to it uh that is the end of this podcast oh i guess also make sure you check out my 
all other podcasts at Go Beyond Pod on Twitter and just go beyond to My Hero Academia podcast. If you are a fan of My Hero Academia, we break down each and every episode of said anime, uh, including like differences between the anime and the manga, uh, fan theories, trivia, and we analyze things, as Chris says, in excruciating detail. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I very much enjoy it. Also, check out uh, Parallax Media at ParallaxMedia.1. They are kind of like affiliated with this podcast. They're the reason we started. And check out the other podcasts within the Handsome Phantom uh, or the HP Video Game Podcast Network. So check out the Handsome Phantom Podcast. The HP Podcast is what it's called. Classic Gaming Podcast, Active Quest, uh, Game Dev Advice, all sorts of amazing podcasts in that network. So check them out. They're a bunch of amazing people that create awesome content. That's the end of this episode. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, fam. Bye.